Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. As we continue, as I said, it's going to be a three-part series on the 50th anniversary of A Clockwork Orange. I just saw a YouTube clip of this kid talking about there's a steel book coming out. I don't know when. Looks crazy. It hasn't been confirmed yet to celebrate the 50th anniversary of A Clockwork Orange. There's a lot to A Clockwork Orange. First of all, the language, the Nasdat. You know, when he's talking about ultraviolets and your gutty what's. Obviously, he's talking about your guts. Your Gulliver, which is your head. And if you read the book by Anthony Burgess, that's all the Nasdat. And it's kind of like a combination of Russian and British um, slang. But here is, this is this is a famous moment in A Clockwork Orange. I'm doing it all <clears throat> out of chronological order, so that way you can find out for yourself. Hello, Bradford Police Station. Good evening, it's Miss Weathers at Woodmere Health Farm. Hello. Look, I'm exactly sorry to bother you, but something rather odd has just happened. But it's probably nothing at all, but you never know. Well... A young man rang the bell asking to use the telephone. He said there'd been some kind of accident. Well, the thing that caught my attention was what he said. The words he used sounded very like what was quoted in the papers this morning in connection with the writer and his wife who were assaulted last night. Just a few minutes ago. Well, if you think that's necessary, but I'm, I'm quite sure he's gone away now. Oh, all right, fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, hi, hi there. At last we meet. Our brief govering through the letter O was not, shall we say, satisfactory. Yes? Who are you? How the hell did you get in here? What the bloody hell do you think you're doing? Naughty, 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 you filthy old sunker. Now, listen here, you little bastard. Just turn round and walk out of here the same way as you came in. Leave the hell alone, don't touch it. It's a very important work of art. students contest to see who can get the most points for selling magazines cut the shit sonny and get out of here before you get yourself into some very serious trouble And so that is Alex versus the cat lady at the health farm. <sighs> Clockwork Orange. So the Steelbook supposedly is coming out September 21st. Looks crazy. But then again, we're talking about a Clockwork Orange. Controversial. In fact, I remember my professor telling me in college that there's like 15 minutes missing and years ago i had purchased uh 
this is the era of Blu-ray. This is before Blu-ray and HD and obviously Blu-ray one. And I remember I bought the DVD off of Amazon and they sent it to me and they said it was rated X. And I watched the film and then I asked my professor, I said, well, can you tell me about those scenes that they took out? And she told me and they weren't in the current movie that I had. So I wrote to Amazon and I told them, you need to relabel this. This is not the X version. This is the R version. And they said, do you want a refund? And I said, no, I just want you to state the facts. It has nothing to do with a refund. I just want you to make that right because other people are going to watch that and think, oh, this is the X version. And it's not. Um, from what she told me, there's a lot going on in those scenes that they took out. And she's always said to me that if I ever find the X version to let her know. So who knows? Maybe Stanley Kubrick destroyed it. I don't know. I don't know. Here's an analyzation from a documentary on A Clockwork Orange. edges of everything, the farthest out edges of everything that was primal but controlled in civilization. You could look at that film, come into the theater, and if you've ever seen any of Kubrick's other films, and you didn't know where you were, you would know it was a Kubrick film. And I'll smash your face for you, your blockers. <laughs> So that character has been compared to Richard Third. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm. Here's a little bit about the language, though. Alex narrates most of the film in Nasdat, a fractured adolescent slang composed of Slavic, especially Russian, English, and Cockney rhyming slang. Okay. So Alex DeLarge is the central character an antisocial delinquent whose interests include classical music, especially Beethoven, committing rape, theft, and that is termed ultraviolence. He leads a small gang of thugs, Pete, Georgie, and Dim, whom he calls his droogs from the Russian word friend buddy. The film chronicles the horrific crime spree of his gang, his capture, and his attempted rehabilitation. So this is a dystopian world that they live in that takes place supposedly in 1995. Okay, so it's a it's a futuristic film, and a lot of it is the parental are all on vacation or coloring their hair. So many of the different films have kind of taken, you know, and borrowed from A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange was photographed mostly on location in Metropolitan London and within quick access of Kubrick's then home in Barnet Lane. Shooting began on September 7th, 1970, with the call sheet number one at the Duke of New York pub, an unsured scene, the first of many un unused locations. A few days later, shooting commenced in Alex's uh, treatment bedroom. (laughs) 
New Year's Eve started with the rehearsals for the Crow of a Milk Bar and shooting finished after four continuous days on the 8th of January. The last scenes were shot in February of 1971, ending with the call sheet number 113. The last main scene to be filmed was Alex's fight with Billy Boggs, Billy Boy's gang, which took six days to cover. Shooting encompass a total of around 113 days over six months of fairly continuous shooting as is normal practice there was no attempt to shoot the script in chronological order a few scenes not shot on location were the Corova milk bar the prison check-in area alex having a bath at f alexander's house and two corresponding scenes in the hallway these sets were built on an old factory and bullhead road Broman, which uh, would serve as a production office. Seven call sheets are missing from the Stanley Kubrick archive, so some locations, such as the hallway, could not cannot be confirmed. Okay. The Cat Lady House, where Alex is caught by police, is Shenley Lodge, Rectory Lane, Shenley Hashfordford. Can't even say it. Oh my God, this film. The film was a box office success, grossing $41 million in the United States and about $73 million overseas for a worldwide total of $114 million on a budget of $1.3 million. The film was also successful in the United Kingdom, playing for over a year at the Warner West End in London. After two years of release, the film had earned Warner Brothers rentals of $2.5 million in the United Kingdom and was the number three film for 1973. Ah, here we go. Response and controversy. In the United States, The Clockwork Orange was given a X rating in original release in 1972. Later, Kubrick replaced approximately 30 seconds of... Oh, here we go. See, it's always about sex. 30 seconds of sexually explicit footage from two scenes with less explicit action to obtain an R rating re-release and later in 1972 because of the explicit sex and violence the national catholic office for motion pictures rated it c condemned a rating which forbade roman catholics seeing the film <laughs> in 1982 the office abolished the common condemned rating subsequently films deemed to have unacceptable levels of sex and violence okay well we all know about the catholic church and many of their lies covering up so fuck them although it was passed uh <laughs> it was passed uncut for uk cinemas in 1971 british authorities considered the sexual violence in the film to be extreme in march of 1972 during the trial of a 14 year old male accused of manslaughter of a classmate the prosecutor referred to a clockwork orange suggesting that the film had macabre relevance to the case the film was also linked to a murder of an elderly vagrant by a 16 year old mm. the link between the crime and sensational literature particularly a clockwork orange is established beyond reasonable doubt the press also blamed the film for a rape in which the attacker sang singing in the rain christian kubrick the director's wife has said the family received threats and pro protesters outside their home the film was withdrawn from British release in 1973 by Warner Brothers at the request of Stanley Kubrick. In response to the allegations the film was responsible for copycat violence, Kubrick stated, 
to try and fasten any responsibility on art as the case of life seems to be seems to me to put the case in the wrong way uh, wrong way around art consists of reshaping life but it does not create life nor cause life to furthermore to attribute powerful suggestive qualities to a film as at odds with the scientifically acceptable view that even after deep hypnosis in a prosthetic state people cannot be made to do things which are at odds with their nature Mm. okay clockwork orange was a difficulty to see in united kingdom for 27 years it was only after kubrick's death in 1999 that the film was theatrically re-released and made available on vhs and dvd oh here we go on july 4th 2001 the uncut version premiere on sky tv's box office where it ran until mid-september yeah Clockwork Orange is a very interesting past and present and future. Now, the legacy, along with Bonnie and Clyde, Night of the Living Dead, The Wild Bunch, Soldier Blue, Dirty Harry, and Straw Dogs, the film is considered a landmark in the relaxation of control on violence in the cinema. Mm. A Clockwork Orange remains an influential work in cinema and other media. The film is frequently referenced in popular culture, which Adam Chandler from The Atlantic attributes to Kubrick's genreless directing techniques that brought novel innovation to film, filming, music, and production that had not been seen at the time of the film's original release. A Clockwork Orange appears several times in the American Film Institute's top film list. The film was listed at number 46 in 1998's a hundred years, a hundred films, and number seventy in the 2007 second listing. Alex DeLarge is listed as the twelfth villain on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Vero- Heroes and Villains. In 2008, AFI's top ten rated *A Clockwork Orange* as the fourth greatest science fiction movie to date. The film was placed 21st in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Thrills. Mm. Yes. And also, yesterday we talked about the flat block marina where they're all walking. And some would say that Tarantino copied that for Reservoir Dogs. Uh, there, there's a lot going on in the Clockwork Orange. And... You know, this is Kubrick had done it right after a Space Odyssey. Space Odyssey 2001 made Stanley Kubrick very, very famous, very, very well known. And A Clockwork Orange not only made him famous, but it made him infamous, thus leading to death threats and him having the power to say to Warner Brothers, pull the film. And they pulled the film. And. I think what Kubrick, uh, the beauty about Stanley Kubrick is we didn't know a lot about him, which is good. Now you know everything about your directors and your and your artists, and you know they save the best for last with these documentaries. I mean, 
for me, the image that stands out in A Clockwork Orange is when he has those clamps on his eyes and he's being forced to watch a lot of footage that is making him physically ill to the point where he's screaming. And uh, I think we have a little bit of, of what Kubrick did to his actors. Stanley would like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, we're out all day and these actors go to their dressing rooms and we have to stay out in the cold and the rain and we have to be hardy and these actors, you know. <laughs> People do get knocked around on on, on, uh, on Kubrick movies, you know, it's, a, it's part of the game. I do this and that and this. He was very attracted to the idea of making the aversion therapy to look realistic. And to this end, he decided to get these clips that, that hold open the, the eyes, metal clips. So Paul Malcolm is sitting there with a straitjacket on with these clips holding his eyes wide open. Now, you just stand yourself like that. See how long you can stand it for. Well, 30 takes later, and your eyes are still clipped, and you've got these bump, 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 to keep them moist. So, at one point, Malcolm couldn't take it any longer. And he just, I mean, he just panicked, screamed, or was angry, I don't know what it was. just wrenched his arms to try and get out of the straitjacket. And in doing so, he, he hit one of the clips. And that scratched his cornea. And because he was in hell, he was in pain. I was in just so much pain. And uh, that was the end of that scene. And so they highlight what I was talking about, which are the clamps holding his eyes open Spielberg who was a good friend of Stanley Kubrick's said something interesting a lot of people have said that A Clockwork Orange was in a way a punk rock film in terms of the essence of the film and the look and the feel and how you know Kubrick only shot it for 1.5 million dollars and it made him a lot of money was I think the first punk rock movie ever made and uh you know it was a, it was it was a very bleak vision of a dangerous future where young people teenagers are free to roam the streets without any kind of parental you know exception and and they break into homes and they assault and rape people and it was that the subject matter was dangerous um but kubrick had a kind of twinkle in his eye especially the scene where you hear Gene Kelly singing, singing in the rain, uh, when he's basically kicking a man practically to death. And that was one of the most horrifying things I think I've ever witnessed. Just a counterpoint of the music and the song and, and kicking him every time the music commanded it. And, and that was audacious and, and I think very dangerous in its time. But when you look at the movie right now, unfortunately history is caught up to the movie. And uh, the headlines we now live with every day in our lives are not dissimilar to some of the subject matter of this 1960s film, uh, Clockwork Orange. Now, there have been so many 
<sighs> reports about um, Gene Kelly and his thoughts on Singing in the Rain appearing in the film. Okay, here we go. Stanley Kubrick's first cut before hiring several assistant editors ran for almost four hours. I'd like to see that version. The doctor standing over Alex as he's being forced to watch violent films was a real doctor ensuring ensuring that Malcolm McDowell's eyes didn't dry up. Oh, God. Stanley Kubrick had his assistant destroy all unused footage. Oh, my. Oh, according to Malcolm McDowell on the commentary track for the 2007 DVD release, the sped up sex scene was originally filmed as an unbroken take lasting 28 minutes. <laughs> the crow of a milk bar is named after the Russian word for cow. Maloko, written on the wall, means milk. The bar's sc- sculptures were based on the work of sculpture, sculptor Alan Jones. Stanley Kubrick had the milk dispensers emitted, washed, and refilled every hour as the milk curled under curdled under the studio lights. Gross. Alex performing Singing in the Rain as he attacks the writer and his wife was not scripted. Stanley Kubrick spent four days experimenting with this scene, finding it too conventional. Eventually, he approached Malcolm McDowell and asked him if he could dance. He tried the scene again, this time with McDowell dancing and singing the only song he could remember. Kubrick was so amused that he swiftly bought the rights to the Singing in the Rain for $10,000. Okay. During the filming of uh, Lakova scene, Mal- Malcolm McDowell scratched one of his corneas and was temporarily blinded. He suffered cracked ribs during the filming of the humiliating stage show. According to author Anthony Burgess, the title of the book and the movie came from the East London slang deriving from the phrase, as queer as a clockwork orange. No independent references are known. However, it is thought that Burgess invented the phrase himself. Malcolm McDowell chose to play Alex, speaking his normal Northern English accent, instead of a Cockney accent. McDowell felt that his softer accent would strike as interesting contrast with Alex's menacing personality and also help him stand out amongst his friends. When Malcolm McDowell met Gene Kelly at a party several years later, the older star turned and walked away in disgust. Kelly was deeply upset the way his signature from Singing in the Rain had been portrayed in A Clockwork Orange. Well, the film was unavailable for public viewing in the UK from 1973 to 2000, the year that after uh, Kubrick died. <laughs> oh, I love this. McDowell delighted in this sped-up orgy since Kubrick could not shout cut until it was over and McDowell could accordingly do whatever he wanted during the take. Uh, carrying the girls back to the bed a second time was improvised by McDowell. Much to the irritation of Stanley Kubrick, who shouted off camera, that's enough, Malcolm, that's enough. Malcolm McDowell was hurt when after he and Stanley Kubrick had such a close relationship during filming. Kubrick later 
uh, seemed uninterested in continuing their friendship. McDowell later attributed some of the sentiment to his being a young actor unfamiliar with the intimacy of the filmmaking process, but admitted he was very upset by, uh, by it at that time. Malcolm McDowell remembered friends, remained friends with uh, Kubrick's wife, Christiane Kubrick, and while visiting her after Kubrick's death, had a good cry over his gravesite. These are some interesting tidbits. Oh, I love this. Although he is playing a 15-year-old, 17 in the later half, Malcolm McDowell was actually 27 at the time of filming. Oh, my. So, ah, here we go. The film was almost (laughs) entirely on real locations as opposed to sets was lit entirely with a Lowell kit, a a sampler for film students, perhaps a reaction against the huge apparatus needed for Stanley Kubrick's previous film, Space Odyssey 2001. So what's interesting is the contrast between the popularity of Space Odyssey 2001 and the the disgust and intrigue of A Clockwork Orange. I mean, you look at it now, you look at the films today, and A Clockwork Orange still holds up and it still shocks. And the book, you know, the book, that's always the thing with uh, the films. The book in the film, is the book better? Is the film different? We could go all the way to the shining and according to stephen king you know what happens is when you he said when you you sell the rights that's it you you know you're it's out of your hands and he noticed how the ending was very cold and in kubrick's or in in stephen king's book the shining the hotel burns down so stephen king said basically his book was warm and the film was cold and I, I think he had a conversation once with Stanley Kubrick about the film. And now when I watch the film, I can kind of see what Stephen King meant in terms of the characters, in terms of Shelley Duvall and he, how he didn't like that character was being portrayed. And I can really understand that now watching that from a different perspective. Now, A Clockwork Orange, it really is a punk rock film. I mean, you think of it, it it could have had the soundtrack to the Sex Pistols and Dead Kennedys playing. It was fast. It was rough around the edges. It was was a vision that Kubrick wanted to do. You know, everyone else was making their youth films. George Lucas made American Graffiti. Uh... I'm trying to think who else. You know, there are a couple of youth films out there. Sugarland Express, Steven Spielberg. And here's Stanley Kubrick like, screw you. I'm going to make a Clockwork Orange, which was very controversial. But then I've also talked about, and we're going to talk about it eventually, because I already did an interview with George Strombolopoulos about The Devils. Uh, I remember watching it and thinking, whoa, this came out the same year as A Clockwork Orange. And the, the contrast between the two... In fact, also the rating, you look at Ken Russell. Ken Russell received an X rating for that film. That film isn't even available. You, I think it's on eBay. 
There is the Shutter Network, which is a horror film network that you can download the app. And that's how I ended up watching it when I was going to do my interview with George Trombolopoulos. Um, but yeah, Clockwork Orange, it's its own. There's something about Stanley Kubrick films. First of all, they're all lit similarly. You look at A Space Odyssey, you look at Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon. But that one they use, I think, a soft lens because it took place in the 1700s. And then you have The Shining and how the maze is lit and everything, you know. But yeah, I, I studied Stanley Kubrick and everyone that I've talked to, A Clockwork Orange really was... It was that film that you 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 could the only accessible thing to it was the the vinyl. There was a soundtrack and some of the images on the soundtrack and a lot of people would talk about wanting to see the film because the film was so controversial and it was that big no-no film in the 1970s. And last night I played a clip of Malcolm McDowell on Saturday Night Live about 41 years ago doing a parody of A Clockwork Orange, and he's selling milk, just like in the film, where he's drinking that vitamin milk. <laughs> it's funny. I remember years ago, I was watching uh, Fairy Tale Theater, and here you have uh, Shelley Duvall used to host it. Hello, The Shining. And Malcolm McDowell was in one episode where it was Little Red Riding Hood. It was him and his, his ex-wife, Mary Steenvirgin, and she played Little Red Riding Hood and he played the Big Bad Wolf, which I thought was really funny. And it wasn't until years later, I think I was a teenager, that I discovered A Clockwork Orange. And I thought, oh, that's the Big Bad Wolf. You know, and he had done many films. Of course, he did Caligula. I've seen Caligula. I'd like to forget about it. Uh, Caligula is such a messy film. Where a Clockwork Orange, at least it's yes, it's 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 shocking, but it's it's tasteful. I will say that filmmaking wise, where with Caligula, Penthouse took over, and you can obviously see that. That's why it's such a messy film. But a Clockwork Orange still holds up fifty years later. I mean, I wasn't alive yet, so. But it's interesting to talk to people like my professor and people that I know who have told me about how the film was edited and that those 30 minutes were taken out. Of, or was it 30 seconds? I don't know. I mean, the only person I could think of who would have access to that is Martin Scorsese, who, is a, who does film restoration and the American Film Institute. I've often talked about the American Film Institute on this podcast because the American Film Institute used to do these really great lists. 100 years, 100 films. It was from 1896 to 1996. Okay? So the first list, Titanic wasn't on it. A lot of these films weren't on it. Fargo was on it. And it, you know, you learned about all these films that came before. Controversial films like Birth of a Nation... Dr. Strange Love, The Manchurian Candidate, which is a disturbing film, and I'm talking about the original. Space Odyssey, and then the controversy, you know, back then was is that 
Citizen Kane was the number one film and then that pissed everyone off and that was the beauty of those lists it would get people talking like okay why is Citizen Kane one and Godfather's number two or or why is Gone with the Wind way at the bottom you know and then the actors they even had an actors list where Catherine Hepburn was the number one film screen icon of the the the, the female screen icon of the 20th century and Humphrey Bogart was the number one male and then they would do comedies but Clockwork Orange was on those lists and to see Malcolm McDowell talk about the character that he played in a Clockwork Orange Alex DeLarge and we're going to highlight it a little more just Malcolm Malcolm McDowell as an actor whenever I would see him I remember seeing him one time on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher and they talk about in out <laughs> and he says to them yo you know a little bit about in out and out because he's he's so known for that character and i remember watching him in that silent film the artist with uh jean dujardin where i'm watching it it's a silent film and i'm thinking oh that's malcolm malcolm mcdowell anytime you see malcolm mcdowell it doesn't matter if it's a tv show or a movie you think oh there's alex delarge so even when he dies he will be forever remembered as alex delarge from a clockwork orange and i don't think that bothers him it's it's along the lines of whenever people would interview lauren bacall and always ask about bogart and that didn't that didn't bother her that she was forever in the actor's shadow because they were always solidified together as an acting duo. Oh my goodness, a clockwork orange. I, I've always been fascinated with people I know who wanted to be filmmakers and they all want to do those teenage films like the, what is it? Uh, Coyote Ugly and all those stupid going back to high school films and one time I was talking to someone about that and I may have offended them I said why do you want to make that kind of shit and they said what do you want to make I said well I want to make something that shocks people and provokes them my idea of going back to high school is not shocking and provoking it's stupid because it's a revenge they have that revenge fantasy and it doesn't interest me. Where with the Clockwork Orange, that's very interesting because it supposedly takes place in the future, 1995. And as I said in the episode last night, when the pandemic hit and cities were literally <laughs> ghost towns, and I'll never forget driving back and seeing these teenagers kicking something over the railroad tracks and thinking, and there's no one around. And I thought, whoa, that's like out of a clockwork orange. It was eerie. But in terms of the violence, and I remember talking to a professor about this, a sociology professor, how in a way it was predictable and how it would lead to all these gangs in the 80s and the 90s. And then in Great Britain, they have a very strict policy on violence and on guns. More so than we do. That's probably why they were able to pull the film. Well, Warner Brothers was when uh, Stanley Kubrick basically said, cut it, pull it. 
And so tomorrow, I think we're going to just continue talking about A Clockwork Orange. Because I said, you can't just talk about it in one episode. There's the book. I've read the book. There's the movie. There's the different contrasts. And what Stanley Kubrick ended up doing, you know, this man was a perfectionist. And it's a testament right there, as we talked about. Malcolm McDowell loved working with Stanley Kubrick and thought, oh, we're the best of friends. Not realizing once the film was over, Stanley Kubrick cut it. And it was the testament of Christiane Kubrick, um, Stanley Kubrick's widow, that they would remain friends. And a lot of the actors that work with Stanley Kubrick were scared of him. And I love what Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson once, Jack Nicholson, who's very rarely interviewed, said, well, we can honestly say that Kubrick was the man. And I don't, and I don't think that, I think that uh, undermines his genius. Yeah. And I agree with him. Everyone else is trying to make films to try to just be out there and Kubrick was like fuck it I'm just gonna make it and if you don't like it (laughs) cry yeah and the fact that he was able to buy the song rights for singing in the rain for ten thousand dollars now it's like was it ten million dollars yeah so that's a clockwork orange and yes we live in in a politically correct world where a lot of a clockwork orange. I, I, it ruffles feathers. <sighs> but it is punk rock. And even punk rock for its day ruffled feathers. And so that's it. Unpleasant dreams. And tomorrow we will continue the third episode on a clockwork orange. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Released in December of 1971. Unpleasant dreams.